God, today we open up our hearts to you. God, you know where we are in this moment of time. You don't just know where we are physically. You know where we are emotionally. You know where we are soulishly. God, you know where we are in our journey. You know where we are in our battles. You know where we are in our struggle. God, you know where we are in our victories. You know where we are in this moment. Nothing in our lives is taking you by surprise. God, you have the answer to every question. God, you have the remedy for every problem. And God, in this room, we look to you. God, we say, show us your glory. God, reveal to us you. God, help us to see you. Help us to know you. Help us to experience you, not just through words. But God, we believe that we're impacted by your spirit this morning. And God, we open up our heart to your answers. God, we open up our minds and our hearts to your ways. God, I believe today as you show us you, your glory, you show us your goodness. God, we declare you good and we declare you faithful. God, I believe that you're touching hearts, mending brokenness, giving clarity, bringing restoration, bringing hope. God, bringing a good expectation of our future because that's who you are. God, we open up our hearts to you today. God, we cast every care on you, every frustration. God, every wondering. God, we cast that on you today. God, we're expecting hope. We're expecting healing. We're expecting life to show up in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all agree with that this morning? I know you do. You can go ahead and have a seat this morning. So thankful that you are at church today. I believe that you are at the right place at the right time. You know, during, during this season, we've been on a series of messages concerning transformation. You know, God's whole purpose for our life is for us to continue to be transformed to looking like Him, to our life looking like His life that He has planned for us. This is what I do know is that God's ways are always good. God is faithful. God is good. God has good planned for you. I don't know what you're experiencing today. You may not feel like your life is good, but I do know God has planned for your life good. He wants to show up good in your life. And I believe today we're going to see the goodness of God right here, right now. And I do believe we're seeing life change, not just because we're hearing good messages, not because we're feeling goosebumps and want to cry when we walk in the building. We're experiencing transformation in our life because we at Celebration Church are becoming doers of the word that we hear. I have learned this in my life. It's not just the word that you read that affects you. It's not just the word that you hear that's going to transform your future. It is the word that you do. The word that you do. That's what we're here this morning. We're going to hear some word that's going to change our life. That's my prayer for us today. You know, I was in the uh, car with my grandson yesterday, and we were going to one of my niece's parties, birthday parties, and he's in the back seat, and he's all, we passed the um, military uh, area of the airport, and I think it just jogged his mind, you know, and he's all, hey, Roro, and I said, what? 
He said, do you know where, did you know that there's aliens? I said, oh yeah? Yep, they're aliens. Do you want to know where they live? I said, where do aliens live? Area 51. Okay, he's six. He's six, okay? I said, okay, Levi, how do you know about aliens, first of all, and where they live? He says, oh, they taught me at school. I said, what? Your teacher taught you this at school? No, YouTube. I said, you were on YouTube at school? Yeah. My teacher said, everybody go on YouTube, and you can... (laughs) You know, we're just on YouTube, and I'm learning about aliens, and they live in Area 51 on YouTube. I said, Levi, like, who told you that? I learned it on YouTube at school because my teacher let me go on YouTube. Now, honestly, if you know Levi, he doesn't like school, and I think he's looking for any way possible to give us reasons to pull him out of school. So, uh... That's Levi, but I want you to watch out for Levi. Levi is going to be ruling and reigning in this life because Levi is one amazing, bold, confident kid. Man, can I tell you that sometimes your kids that kind of push uh, the barriers and the boundaries, they're not bad kids. God's are gonna, God has them assigned and marked for greatness here on this earth. So you better not be letting the school put a label on them, and you better not as parents be grabbing those labels and putting them on them because God has called them to be kingdom warriors, to rule and to reign on this earth. To rule and to reign on this earth. But that question I asked Levi, I said, who told you that? Did you know, I mean, you probably believed silly things growing up, right? I mean, you thought, man, if I swallowed a, a watermelon seed, I can't do that. I got to spit them out because if I swallow a watermelon seed, it'll grow watermelon in me. Or I better not pee in the pool because it'll turn blue, right? Don't drink coffee because it'll stunt your growth and make you short, or you'll grow hair on your chest. Now, I know that's not true. My husband has been drinking coffee since he's been three, and he has like three hairs on his chest. So, But he's one sexy man with absolutely no hair on his chest. (laughs) But you hear these things and you believe these things and you act like things are true when really if you stop a second and say, why am I thinking that? Who told me this ridiculous thing that I'm living my life by? So that's the question today that we're going to answer. Who told you that? Who told you that? We're going to start in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. God had originally, you know, had already created in Genesis chapter 1 the sun and the stars, the moon, the light, the everything that was, you know, part of the world's uh, ecosystem. He created all of that. And then in verse number 7 of Genesis chapter 2, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the very life of God. He said, And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed. We all know that so far. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15. says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
So there's one tree that they weren't allowed, they can eat of all of them, but this one tree. He said it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, for when you eat of that tree, you'll certainly die. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And all the women say, amen, it's not. I will make a helper suitable for him. Verse number 25. Now, you got to remember this part. I know you're going to think this is kind of like random. Why are we talking about this in church? But it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. This is important. Why would God put that in there? God don't put things in by mistake or just randomly in there. There's a reason why he said they were created, they were put in this garden, and it says he and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, up until this point, everything was amazing, perfect, perfection, life, joy. Your best day, better than that. Your most beautiful place you like to travel, better than that. Okay, so it was perfect up until this point. Then a serpent shows up. This is where everything starts to change. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty, that means subtle, intelligent, than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And the serpent says to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you mustn't touch it or you will die. You won't die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining some wisdom. She took some, she ate it. Then she shared it with her husband, who was with her. And of course, she put food in front of a man. He ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig trees, to, fig leaves together, and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his, man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and he said, hey, where are you? The man answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And God says to him, who told you that? You were naked. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from. Okay, let's back up and let's dissect this just a little bit because this is important. This is the first time we see the enemy, Satan, show up in the form of a serpent and start talking. That's not the last time the serpent or Satan was talking. Every day in the form of thoughts, ideas, and circumstances, Satan, the enemy, is talking to you. Where do you think you get the thoughts, I'm not good enough? I can't make it. I can't do this anymore. Life is too hard. This is just way too much for me. I'm never going to be good enough. It's not going to ever work out for me. I don't even know why I'm here. This isn't working. This Jesus stuff, I don't get it. Where do you think that voice is coming from? Same voice. 
different messenger, different form, may not show up in the form of a serpent or a snake, may show up in the form of a newscast, an Instagram post, a neighbor, a friend, an idea, a persecution, an opposition, still comes from the same source. So let's back up and look at this, because if we can be aware how the enemy operates, we can be more uh, ready and um, equipped to stand against it. So they're in a perfect environment, and Satan shows up as a serpent. Now, we now have an idea because of this story that snakes are evil. So in our mind, we're thinking, okay, that's her first, uh, I mean, that's her first issue, right? She's getting that close to a snake. I mean, if I saw a snake coming up to me, I mean, I kill it, right? It doesn't matter if it's a good snake, bad snake, that is coming off, right? There is no way that I would stand there and talk to a snake. But you got to realize, when God created everything, including the serpent, He stood back and said, it is good. She had no reason to be afraid of this snake. He could have, it it could have just as easily been a bunny, a puppy, a giraffe, a llama, whatever you choose, a cat, satanic. My children have allowed devils in their house. I do not know what happened. Supposed to raise up a child in the way that she should go. So he shows up in the form of a serpent. Now, this wasn't something scary to her. All Eve knows is good. All right? So the the enemy shows up uh, in the form of a serpent, and he starts talking to her. And he says, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? He starts having a conversation with her. Now, in another translation, more original to the text, It says, the serpent said to the woman, yea, has God said, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden. That word, yea, means also, furthermore, in addition to, which tells me this isn't the first conversation that they've ever had. This is the only conversation that mattered. This is the conversation that changed everything. Because I'm not going to say, furthermore, unless I've already been having a conversation with you, okay? So he goes and he says, furthermore, did God really say? I don't believe this is the first time that she ever talked to this this serpent. Otherwise, she'd be going, ah, this animal is talking to me. This is pretty freaky, right? No, she was having a conversation with him. There's something in psychology called the illusory, the illusory truth effect. It's the idea that if you repeat something often enough, often enough, people will slowly start to believe it's true. Uh, they say that one of the um, officers that worked for Hitler, they say that he said, if you repeat a lie often enough, people will start believing it as truth. A new study revealed that this effect is much stronger than we imagined because it turns out that even if a person has prior knowledge disproving a lie, 
they're being told, they'll still believe the lie if it's repeated enough. See, I don't believe the enemy just showed up this day and said, hey, did God really say? I think he'd been having a conversation, placing doubt, thoughts, conversation, saying things over and over, over and over. How do I know that? That's how he does it now. It's not anything new. That's how he does it now. He repeats lies over and over. He constantly is bombarding your mind. He's constantly, why do you believe you're not good enough? Because you heard it when you were three. You heard it again when you were five. You heard it when you were in elementary school. You heard it when you married your first husband and your second husband. Right? Because a lie repeated enough, you'll start believing it as truth. So then it comes to Genesis chapter 3, verse number 2, and the woman talked back to the serpent. She's engaging him. He's like, yeah, we can eat from the trees, but God says don't touch the tree in the middle because we'll die. And the enemy say, no, you're not going to die. That's not true. No, it's not true. God knows that when you eat it, your eyes are going to be opened. And you'll be like God knowing good and evil. Now, see, part of what the enemy is saying here is actually accurate. Because if they do eat of the tree, we're going to see that their eyes were opened. It was eyes that they didn't need opened. They became aware not only of good, because only up until this point, all they knew was good. The true part of it was they were going to have their eyes open till evil. Now, until that point, she had no idea what evil is. Maybe evil's good. I don't know. Maybe God's trying to withhold something extra from me. Maybe that's what this evil is. So I'm going to know good and evil. Maybe this evil is extra. And he kept telling her these things and telling her things over and over until she believed that his lie was truth. This is how the enemy gains access into our lives. He doesn't show up in the form of a snake or a pitchfork and a cape because we're smarter than that. He shows up with thoughts. That's why we've been talking about renewing our mind because that's what brings transformation to our life. So he shows up with thoughts. So God shows up with a promise to us, a declaration to us, maybe even a command. And the liar, the deceiver, Satan, comes to gain access or control in our life. And he can only do it if he can get us to grab and eat his thought. Satan has no access to your life unless you yield to his thoughts. He can stand in front of you, and he can scream at you, and he can holler at you, and he can try to mess up stuff around you, but he has no access as a believer in Christ Jesus to your life unless you eat of his thoughts. He doesn't show up like a talking snake. Again, he shows up like a news report like a doctor's report, like an idea, like a thought, like someone saying something, like an offense. And those thoughts start questioning the reliability and the goodness of God, questions the, the validity of the promise, questions the validity of the word of God. And when we're questioned enough, doubt sets in. When we're told the lie enough, we start believing it as the truth. I can tell you how many times. Questions. Start challenging what you believe. You know, I tell this story, you know, how I can, you know, be ironing something because, you know, in my house, I iron. Patsy Ledesma's house, women, you found out that Carlos cooks dinner, treats her like a princess. She does nothing. 
but I love her anyway. I want to be Patsy when I grow up. Okay. <laughs> so in my, okay, so I iron and I unplug, you know, I'm ironing, I unplug the iron, we leave it at the house because you women also know I get ready at the very last minute, so I'm ironing the shirt, throwing it on, getting out the door. I get in the car. Hey, babe, did you unplug the iron? Yes, I did. Are you sure you unplugged the iron? Yeah. No. Are you really sure that you unplugged the iron because you've left it plugged in a lot of times? And we don't want, you know, the dog to knock it over or whatever. Did you unplug? The more I'm questioned, although I know, I know, I know, I remember unplugging it. But the more I'm questioned, the more I start doubting. Right? And I'm like, ugh. And I have to get out of the car, run back in, and make sure. Right? Because when we're questioned... And we're constantly questioned. It causes doubt. That's why the enemy's going, did God really say? Are you sure God really said? Did God really say? Are you sure God really said? That's why we in this room, we come to church, we hear the message, God wants to prosper us. He wants to bless us. He wants to, he's provided health and healing for us. We're like, yes, that's mine. And we get out to the car, and I get an ache in my back. Did God really say that was for you? Are you sure? Are you sure that that's for everyone? And the more that we allow the question the more we start to doubt. What's the enemy trying to do? Gain access into your life. Get you to eat of his fruit. He's trying to pump some knowledge your way. And he wants you to grab his knowledge. Because if you grab a hold of his knowledge, you become what his knowledge provides. This is what happened here. He says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, pleasing, to her eyes, desirable for gaining wisdom. I mean, who wouldn't want that? So she took some of the fruit, and she ate it. She gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now listen, God calls this tree something. He calls this tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He doesn't call this an apple tree. He doesn't call it a fig tree, a banana tree. He calls it the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If I go out to my orange tree and I pull off an orange, I eat the orange and I enjoy the fruit of my orange. When you eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, you take the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you eat the fruit and enjoy the fruit of that knowledge. Until this point, God was the source of their information. God was the source of their revelation. God was the source of their instruction. God was the source of their wisdom. God was the source of their knowledge, their understanding of how things worked. He would meet with them daily, and they would commune with each other. Until this moment, they only had knowledge of good. But as soon as she ate of that fruit, they suddenly became aware of something different. Changed everything. Changed everything for us. Continues to change everything for us. Because we might look at them and go, man, I wish they would have chose differently. But can I tell you, because of Jesus Christ, all of that has been reversed. And now you have the freedom to choose differently for you. We can't blame them. I can't blame them for my sucky life. 
I can't blame them for my dysfunctional home. I can't blame them for my messed up mind and my messed up body. I can't blame them for my messed up relationships. I choose. You choose. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they had an awareness. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig trees together and they made coverings for themselves. Once they ate the fruit of that knowledge, it produced in them an awareness now, not of God and goodness, but of self. Their eyes were opened to self. They now had a self awareness. And it says they realized they were naked. But wait a minute. It already said after God created him that they were naked and they weren't ashamed. So did they already not know they were naked? These two words naked mean two totally different things. When God put them in the garden and, they, and, and he said that they were naked and unashamed, that simply means they were unclothed. They didn't have clothes on. That's what that word naked means. When it says that they were, they realized that now, after eating of the tree of knowledge, they realized that they were naked, that word naked means unclothed and now exposed to evil. Condemnation, guilt, shame, and deception. Before eating from the wrong knowledge tree, evil was on the outside. They didn't know evil. After eating of the tree, evil inclination became a part of who they are. And that's why we need Jesus. So then they go about doing things like we do, just like us. We have inside spiritual dysfunctional issues on the inside, so we try to medicate it and cover it up on the outside. So all of a sudden, for the first time ever, they're feeling an awareness, man, a shame, a guilt, this knowledge, this awareness they never knew before. And they're like, huh, how do we fix this? Okay, let's start taking some leaves. Let's just cover up some body parts. That didn't work. Okay, well, let's just go hide. Everywhere they went, they were going. That evil inclination was going. Immediately, they knew something changed. They felt like they needed to cover up. Before eating from the wrong knowledge tree, evil was on the outside. After it, it was part of who they were. They became the knowledge they ate. Now, I'm going to say that again because if we'll grab this, listen, we'll be better. We can transform according to the word and be totally different and walk in a powerful God life. They became the knowledge they ate. They ate the knowledge of evil, and that's what they became. Same thing. We eat of the knowledge of poverty, and what do we see in our life? Poverty. 
We eat the knowledge of dysfunctional thinking, and what do we see in our life? Dysfunctional thinking. We eat of the knowledge of depression, and what do we find ourselves in? So depressed, I can't do it anymore. We eat of the knowledge of bad relationships or or conflict in marriage, or I'm right, you're wrong. We eat of the knowledge of, of poverty and dysfunction and rebellion, and what do we become? The knowledge that we eat. So God shows up just like he always did. The Lord called to him and said, hey, where are you guys at? Hey, where are you? Adam's all, um, hey, what's up? Heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. God says, uh, who told you that you were naked? Um, have you eaten from the tree? Have you gotten some knowledge that didn't come from me? Who told you that? Have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to eat from? He's all, I, 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 I'm afraid because I'm, I'm naked. God says, who told you that? Where'd you get that new knowledge from? Where'd you get this knowledge that made you more aware of you than you are of me? Did you eat of the tree? Because you didn't get this new awareness from me. Because again, they knew no evil until they ate the knowledge from that wrong tree. When we get our knowledge apart from God, death and separation from him happens. Does it make God not love you? Absolutely not. Just like here. Can I tell you, God already knew. He knows everything. He knew they ate of the tree. He wasn't like, God, where are you? You ate of the tree? Oh, no, I shouldn't have planted it there. We might be thinking, why did God even plant it there? I mean, he knew they were going to eat of it. It's because God has given us the power to choose. Because God doesn't want to force anyone to love him. God wants us to love him because he's good. And because we want to. You don't want to be loved because you have to. Because people around you, oh, you I, I love you, I know, but you have to love me. I'm your mom, right? We want people to love us because they have relationship with us. So that's what happens. It's not that God stops loving you because you eat of the wrong knowledge. No. In fact, God's showing up going, hey, where'd you go? Hey, hey, huh? where are you? We're supposed to hang out today, right? And you're like, oh, sorry, I sinned last night. I ate of this knowledge that says if I did this and this and this, you're going to hate me, and you're not going to love me anymore, and I can't do this anymore. So I run from, because knowledge from the wrong tree, apart from God, brings death and separation from him. Eve chose knowledge apart from God, and it led to death. Who told you that? As we start winding all this down this morning, you see this throughout the whole word. You see in the children of Israel's life, God had planned, man, to take them out of a place of slavery up into, man, a promised land, a beautiful land. We tend to think, okay, these are just Bible stories, but these are actual happenings, right? God takes these people, and he has a land planned and promised for them that was more than enough, and he led them right to the edge of it. We all know the story. He had them spy, send spies in just to check out the land, not to make a determination whether they could take it or not, but to go in and 
to see how big the fruit was, to see how the land was laid out, to see how amazing this place was that God had promised to give them. But the 12 spies that came out had different stories to tell. Two spies came out and they said, it's just like God said, let's go possess it, let's go get it. But then you had 10 other spies that said, God might have said that it's ours, but to me, what I'm seeing is the giants are way too big. Opposition, way too great. We can't do it. And the people as a whole chose the knowledge that the 10 spies that say we can't gave them, as opposed to the knowledge that God himself gave them. And did you know the Bible says that they wandered around in the wilderness and those that believed and ate of the knowledge of the ones who said we can't, they all died? Because that's what happens when you eat of the wrong tree. It brings separation from God's perfect, perfect, perfect plan for your life. The Bible tells a story about a man named Gideon hiding in a cave because he got his knowledge from the wrong source and believed that he was just too weak, too small, too insignificant to bring change to the chaos around him until God showed up, started speaking new knowledge, God knowledge to him, and he made an on-purpose on decision to believe the knowledge of the words that God was speaking over the knowledge he got from experience. Even in the book of Jeremiah, when God showed up to Jeremiah, Jeremiah was believing. He was just too young. He was incapable of doing the great thing that God had called him to do until he chose to believe who God said he was. Who told you that? The things that you're believing that you feel are keeping you apart from the promise you know is available to you. Those things that you're believing that are holding you back, who told you those things? What knowledge are you eating from? Because the knowledge that you're eating from is what you become. Who told you that? In the book of Psalms, we see David asking himself in Psalms 42, 11, he says, why am I so discouraged? What's he saying? What am I believing? Who's telling me this? Who's telling me I have a right to be discouraged? Where am I getting this info from? Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? He says, I will put my hope in God. I'll praise him again. What does that mean? He once had an awareness. He once was eating from the right knowledge tree that God is faithful, God is good, but somewhere along the journey, he started picking up the fruit of another knowledge tree. You have a right to be depressed. The enemy's after you. You better go hide. I don't know if this promise that God has given you is going to come to pass. And he started eating from the wrong tree, and he found himself depressed and discouraged. But he did like we need to do. Hey, 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 hold on. This fruit that's going on in my life, who told me this? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? Oh, okay, I know. I must be eating of the wrong knowledge fruit. I'm going to put my hope back in God again. 
I'm going to start eating from the fruit of the right tree. Again, Isaiah 55, verse number 8. God says, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Because of what happened back in the garden, we're going to have a natural flesh evil tendency to be drawn to the wrong tree. The wrong tree is always going to captivate your attention because of the sin nature. So on purpose, we've got to do something different as believers. That's why it says don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I got to stop eating from this wrong knowledge tree. And I got to put my affections and my eyes and my gaze back on the God knowledge tree. If I put my eyes on the God knowledge tree and eat of the God knowledge fruit, I'll start seeing the fruit of the God knowledge show up in my life. And that fruit is life. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We'll say it over and over and will forever. If you want God's ways, you have to get God's thoughts. You have to eat of God knowledge. His thoughts come through his word. Well, I don't know how God thinks. Yes, you have a Bible, right? If you don't have one, I will buy you one. But you all can upload there for free on your phone. But you need a hard copy. There's power in the hard copy. God say that. If we want God's ways, we got to get God's thoughts, and God's thoughts come through his word. God still wants to be your source of wisdom. God still wants to be your only source of knowledge. He wants to be the one you get your knowledge and instructions from. So as we close this morning, I want to ask you, Who told you that you don't matter? Who told you you're stupid? Who told you you're unworthy? Who told you you're going to die early? Who told you once an addict, always an addict? I'll say that one again. Who told you once an addict, always an addict? Who told, you, who told you you will never be a good dad? You'll never have a good relationship with your kids again. Who told you you're going to lose your mind? Who told you there's no hope? Who told you you can't make it? You can't do it. You don't deserve to be happy. Who told you you already have lived the best part of your life? Who told you that cancer, heart disease, blood disorders or a death sentence and greater than the blood of Jesus? Who told you healing isn't for you? Who told you you'll never get ahead? Who told you you're too old to accomplish the dream? Who told you you have no talent, you have nothing to offer? Who told you you're going to fall back into your old lifestyle? Who told you something bad's going to happen because things are going way too good right now? Who told you that the right president has to be in office for you to prosper? Hey, hey. (laughs) 
who told you forgiveness is impossible, who told you loving your enemy does not work, who told you you must be perfect, who told you serving God is hard, who told you God's mean, who told you sickness is just a way of life, Who told you restoration has to take years? Who told you you don't, who told you you have to pay for your sin? Who told you you've been too bad for God to love you? Who told you you'll never get your kids back? Who told you you'll never have kids? Can I tell you that list can go on and on because the enemy's a liar and he's practiced for generations? And if he can tell you the lie often enough, you'll start believing it. And that's what has happened. That's why there's so much depression in the world. Why? Enemy's been lying to us and we believe in the lie. That's why there's so many discouraged people. Why? Because we're believing the lie. The enemy's told us so many times and we're believing the lie. And that lie has become truth to us. We've eaten of that knowledge and now we're living out that fruit in our life. So who told you that? I can tell you this, God didn't. I can tell you God didn't. Because God says you do matter. God says you have the mind of Christ. God says you were worth the blood of Jesus on the cross. God says you will live and not die. God says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Once you're an addict, you're not always an addict. God says, I have life for you and your children, and I want your children to come back in restoration with you. God says, your latter days will be greater than your former days. God says, he's created you with great purpose, great ability, great talent. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do powerful, mighty things on this earth. God has given you children, he's given you the ability to be a good parent. And he's entrusted those arrows to you. Why? Because God believes in you. If God didn't believe in you, he would have given them to someone else. God knows you can do it. He knows he's equipped you with the ability, the word, the truth, empowered you to hit your mark. God says that by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. The Bible says that when Christ hung on that cross, he redeemed you from the curse. That's the truth. Sickness and disease being a way of life, that's a lie. The truth is Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, brought freedom and life to you, health to your bodies, strength to you, In Jesus' name. And the Bible says you don't have to pay for your sin. There's no wrong that you could have ever done that God has not made a way of escape for you. The Bible says when we were sinners in our worst anti-God state, he sent Jesus to die for us and to take our place that we might walk in life and life more abundantly. I declare that over you today. We here at Celebration Church and those under the sound of my voice, 
We ain't gonna be lied to anymore. Uh-uh. I know where I'm gonna get my knowledge from because I know this, whatever tree I grab the fruit of, that's what I'm gonna become. I can tell you, I don't wanna be sick. I don't wanna walk in depression. I don't wanna walk in offense. So I'm gonna stop eating from that tree. How about you? I said, how about you? You think about the thing in your life that you're facing right now. Maybe it's sickness, maybe it's poverty, maybe it's just dysfunctional relationships, maybe it's just a funky attitude, maybe it's anger. I don't know what your thing is. I don't know what the devil has lied to you about because he lies to us all about different things. But this is what I do know. The power of the word of God can destroy every lie. And today, on purpose, we're gonna on purpose, on purpose, turn away from the knowledge that the enemy's trying to, to, to throw at us. And we're gonna on purpose go after the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Y'all believe that? Let's all stand in this place. You know, this series over the last few weeks has been on transformation. It's been about change. Transformation, we've learned, doesn't happen because we just want it to happen. It doesn't happen because we cry and cry and cry and wish things were different. It doesn't come because we pray to be different. And we come to church and we worship to be different. All of that is powerful. All of that helps and assists and empowers. It happens because we on purpose take the word of God and put it to work in our life. There's no easier way than that. There's no other way than that. You take the word of God, you put it in your eyes, and you put it in your ears. Now Satan uses this with his lie. He repeats it enough, the lie, that you start believing it. But on the other side of that, it works in an even more powerful, accelerated way. When you take the truth of the word of God and you start repeating it and hearing it and meditating it, you start believing it. You start doing it. You start walking in it. So this morning, whatever it is, whatever lie that you've been believing, go to the word of God. Find out what God has to say about it. It's not just a matter of going, I'm not going to think that thought anymore. I'm not going to think that thought anymore. I'm not going to think that thought anymore. No, it's getting a new thought. So instead of saying, man, I'm so sick, I'm so sick. Okay, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. This is the truth. If you say it enough, Holy Spirit empowers that. You start believing it. And the fruit of it starts showing up in your life. I encourage you this morning. Let's be doers of the word. Father, I thank you today for who you are. God, I thank you for your word that transforms our life. God, we open up our heart to you. God, expose every lie. Expose every lie that we're believing. In every situation, God, help us to stand back and say, who told me that? Who told me that? And God, if that doesn't line up with you, and it didn't come from you, and it came from the wrong source, God, may we be quick to judge it, to grab the truth of the word of God 
and destroy it. God, I believe that your word is working on the inside of us, growing, producing victory in every area of our life. And God, for that, we give you thanks. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. God sent Jesus again in our worst sin condition. There is not one thing that you could do bad, as evil and dysfunctional as you might think and perverted you might think it is, that when you repent and turn from it, God doesn't say, I'm standing right here to help you. I want to pray with you as we make that decision today. God, I'm going to start stop living life my way. God, I'm going to trust you with my life. We're going to pray this together. And those of you who are making that decision for the very first time, man, I want you to mean it with all your heart. It's not just about praying a prayer. Let me tell you that again. It's not just about praying a prayer. It's believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. There has to be a belief. And this is what I do know. It doesn't matter how big that belief is. Just a small fraction of, God, how many people have I heard? Man, they just cry out to God, if you're real. God, I, I just need you. God, I just open up my heart to you. That's what we're going to do this morning. God, out of the genuineness of my heart, we need you. Say, Father God, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you that he lived his life in a perfect way for me. He gave his life for me. I receive that today. I believe that Jesus came. He died. He was buried and rose again for me. He traded his life for mine. I receive it in Jesus' name. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you pour out your spirit in this place. God, that as decisions were made, God, transformation happens on the inside. God, we believe things start happening on the outside as we put the word of God to work in our life. God, we thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before we go- Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 